It's said that your real life begins where your comfort zone ends. Well, it's about to get real as we have radically authentic conversations to help you thrive in your personal and professional life while navigating the twists and turns of being human. Buckle up, because this might get uncomfortable. Starts right now with Whitney Lordson. Hello. This is one of those episodes that I'm recording in advance of a trip that has been a big pattern the last few months as this is my third big trip since May. And it's really interesting. I was actually thinking today after texting in this group chat (laughs) who was trying to coordinate either an in-person gathering or a Zoom online video chat. And I said, well, I'm going to need to do it through Zoom because I'll be driving around the country for the next few months. And after I sent that message, I thought, wow, like, that's cool that I'm doing that. And not like as a pat on my back, on my ego, but I'm just like still a bit blown away at how much traveling I've done mostly this year. I mean, that just shocks me. So for those that haven't heard the episodes where I talked about going on a road trip in May, I went to Colorado, Utah, Arizona, and that feels like a lifetime ago. And then a few weeks ago, I went to Costa Rica, Singapore, and Fiji. And that also feels like it couldn't have possibly just been a week and a half that I got back. And then this next trip is my now annual cross-country trip. I started doing this in fall or, well, end of summer, early fall 2020 and did an episode on that if you haven't listened. I, I did that trip with my friend Leanne and ever since I developed this confidence and actually I only drove one way with Leanne. I drove back to Los Angeles from the East Coast by myself. And that's what really gave me a lot of courage. And on that trip, we had visited a few national parks. Her, somebody she knew at the time, let us use their national park pass. And I had maybe never even thought about getting that pass. And then last year, I decided to get it. I forget what the official name is. It's like the inter... I wanted to say intercontinental, but that's interagency. That's what it is. Pass, which allows you to go to all of the national parks, the national forests, the national monuments, basically any of the government run parks and landmarks. Well, I guess maybe not all landmarks. I don't, I don't know if you could go to like the Statue of Liberty, for example, and I'm not sure it includes Mount Rushmore, but major places in the US for about, I think it's $80 a year. At least that's how much I paid for it last year. Mine expires at the end of August, 2022. And I thought perfect timing. I'm going to schedule this next road trip to incorporate as many more national parks as possible. And man, it's been a lot of work just to get this off the ground. I found myself procrastinating a lot and feeling overwhelmed because 
I had been planning that trip very casually and then got invited to go to Costa Rica and Singapore and put all this cross-country travel aside. And then when I got back, I had to start planning this trip. And for me, I'm still recovering from this previous trip. It takes me so much time to get back into that flow of life after travel. And so it's been a big challenge to make this happen. But part of the delight that I'm experiencing with this is that so far things are really coming together and some in some very surprising ways. One is that from what I've seen, there are still plenty of spots available at campgrounds. That's been a challenge and a concern of mine this year, but as well as last year, maybe it's because gas prices have gone up so much. I don't know statistically how much that impacted road trips, but I've heard anecdotal conversations around how people decided not to go on big summer road trips because gas. And for me, that's not and concern because my car is fully electric. So I wonder if it might be easier to find campground spots. So last minute, uh, since I leave shortly after recording this episode, well, not shortly, I don't like to share the dates until I'm back, but not so long after doing this episode, I'm departing for this trip and just don't feel like I have a ton of leeway. So I have a little bit of anxiety, but started some of that got relieved once I looked at options and found that I should be fine. The other cool thing that I'm really thrilled about is that everybody I've reached out to thus far has been available to meet up with me, including someone I think I've only met once in real life. I will hold off on their name until after I visited them again, just to protect privacy timelines, any further info just as a safety mechanism, even though episodes don't come out in sync with real time uh, based on the recording and editing process. But still, I can't wait to tell you about this person. You may or may not know them, but this person, someone I met through veganism and through tech and entrepreneurship. And this person's also been on the podcast. That's a clue for you. But anyways, just hadn't spent that much time in in person together, I think only that one time years ago before COVID. And when I was planning out my trip to a certain part of uh, w- one of the specific destinations, again, not to give too much away, this person lives in that area. And I thought, oh, I should reach out to them and see if they're available to get together. And as it was coming up so quickly, I thought, oh, like, it's probably not going to work out. But I think COVID has shifted a lot of this. This is something I noticed in the past two years of doing these trips is most people have been available because most people aren't traveling that much. And when I say most, I don't, again, I don't know the statistics, so maybe I'm wrong about it. But in terms of the people I know, they've all tended to be available And so I'm really excited to see this person I just mentioned. I'm excited to see some family again. I'm excited to see friends. And as usual, I'll share more about it afterwards. If you have specific questions or things that you're interested in or less interested in, I would love to know about that because I want to make sure, A, I'm not too repetitive because I've been talking about road trips for years and B, if there's any gaps in which I'm not covering or, or things that 
you know, you've heard enough of, I would love that feedback. So as I usually say, you can reach out to me via email, via social media, direct message, either on the Wellevator accounts, which is W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R, or under my at Wit Lauritsen accounts, W-H-I-T-L-A-U-R-I-T-S-E-N. It's fairly easy to get in touch with me and hearing from you is, is such a wonderful feeling and getting feedback on things, which is a big challenge as a podcaster. So yeah, let me know because I'll be recording an episode sometime in the future sharing about how these trips have gone. Yeah, that's not what this episode is about. I want to get into now something that came up as I was brainstorming, what would this topic be today? And At first, I was thinking I would just share a bit of an update on life because these Monday episodes are a bigger opportunity for that. But then I started reflecting on things that I've been learning lately. And for me, I don't want to just share all the time. I want to support. I want to give inspiration, motivation, you know. I want you to find value, not just connection here on the show. And so I picked up my coaching psychology manual, which I'm using for my well-being coaching training. And that's been awesome. There's a ton of content in there. I'm, I'm going to be sprinkling in throughout this show. But then it reminded me of something else I've been meaning to do, which is to go through this digital journal I started working on in 2000. I think it was 17. Let's see. That sounds about right. I believe I started this right around the time I was in also traveling. I was visiting New Orleans for my friend's wedding. I definitely remember writing in here. It's possible I didn't start it there, but it feels like it was. And it's so fascinating to go through old journals, isn't it? But I've been wanting to dig through this because A, I have therapy coming up. I mentioned in a previous episode, finally going back to therapy just to work on some things, to process some tough things, to continue to get some answers to various things I've been looking for, and also to build upon the coaching training that I'm receiving. And I also want to be clear about how I feel about life, how I'm growing. And so this journal has been a place where I've documented so much. And I thought that I would go through some things. I started highlighting it at one point. And I also hope that I haven't shared this stuff already because I feel like maybe I've touched upon this journal in the past. So I... I (laughs) I hope that I haven't. And if I have, it's probably been at least a year because I have no recollection of it. But one of my favorite things about this journal is the very first line. Because I've been working on it for years, I don't recall if this was literally the first line I wrote in this journal or if I copied and pasted and put it at the very top. But it's such a profound statement that sums up so much of my desire in life, which is to, quote, live a life true to myself, not the life others expect of me. And that statement is really fascinating because I have struggled a lot with 
perfectionism and being a people pleaser. In fact, I remember really reflecting on that on my road trip with Leanne in 2020. I was listening to a book that I forget the name of it, something about being perfect and thinking about how much I was identifying as a perfectionist and as people pleaser. And now in late summer 2022, almost two exact almost exactly two years later, I don't really identify with that. And that's amazing. Like this is why journals are so powerful if you take the time to look back through them. You can see your growth, you can see patterns, you can see deep desires. And I'm so relieved that I don't fully align with that people pleaser mentality anymore. It's still there, but a lot less. And that has been a a subtle process, a subtle journey. I, I don't think I would have recognized it had I not gone back to this journal and seen seen those words because it's just not coming up for me a lot. This is one of those things that's been such a big part of my life for so long that I kind of took it as part of who I am, but I didn't want it to be who I am. I don't want to live a life based on fitting other people's expectations. As I've said a lot recently, desiring to color outside the lines, and I'm someone who naturally colors outside the lines. I think all of the research and reflection I've done on ADHD, autism, and other forms of neurodivergence has really brought this to the surface. I've started to take more ownership of myself. And the reason they're connected, this self-agency autonomy, is that I believe that my neurodivergence has been there likely my whole life. From what I understand, it's not something that you develop. It's something that you're born with. And again, I'm not an expert on this, but that's my understanding. It's just that a lot of people go undiagnosed or get misdiagnosed. And women in particular tend to cover it up really well. And I addressed this in a previous episode as probably a few months ago, how I read this book called, I believe it's The Divergent Mind, which I'll link to. It's fantastic. And it's mostly, if not entirely, about women and how most studies have been on men. And so because of behavioral, biological, social manifestations of things, the studies were not focused on how ADHD, autism, other neurodivergence shows up in women. So that's a big reason, apparently, why women go undiagnosed or misdiagnosed. And so it's this unfolding now that I'm in and I'm currently identifying as neurodivergent. There's still part of me that feels uncomfortable identifying that way. My sister said something to me a few weeks ago about it. And she's like, well, you haven't been officially diagnosed yet. So how can you call yourself that? And that brought up some insecurities in me. 
I'm afraid that I am wrong. I'm afraid that it might, what I suspect might not be true. I'm afraid of being judged for identifying that way. However, the reason I continue is because it is helping me understand myself more. And I'm not, what's the term, like committed or attached to that diagnosis. I know I don't actually even need it because there's no reason, there's no pressure. There there are very few experiences aside from, as I've talked about previously with me getting accommodations, nobody's asking for proof. And so if I feel like I need something and if I feel like that's because I think I'm ADHD and or autistic, then that to me feels reason enough to identify that way. As long as I'm not taking away from anybody else who has a formal diagnosis, I'm not trying to monetize, you know, capitalize on it anyway. I'm not trying to get sympathy. What I'm trying to do is support myself and understand myself. And the reason this ties into this statement about living a life true to myself is that by reflecting on how I may have masked a lot, on how I may have felt like I put myself into a box that I didn't really fit in, that is very common. And what I've learned along this way is that trying to be a people pleaser was almost like a coping mechanism as a survival mechanism. It's that I felt so different and learned that in order to get what I thought I wanted, I needed to adapt to how other people were acting and follow their expectations. And that got me out of sync with myself in a lot of ways. And that's not really what I want. When I look back also to that time in 2017, when I remember writing some of these journal entries, I was going through a lot of sadness, even though like in New Orleans, for example, I was at one of my really good friend's weddings. I was in the wedding. It was wonderful. I remember it being challenging for me because I went by myself. I was dating someone at the time who either couldn't or decided not to go with me, not for many like negative reasons, but because of whatever circumstances. And it was tough for me at that time in a very unexpected way to travel and go to this wedding by myself. I also remember in the wedding feeling a lot of anxiety come up. I felt like I didn't fit in. I felt excluded. And actually, none of there was no like main reason for it. So it was very confusing. And on the very last day of actually it it was after the wedding and it was the last day I was in New Orleans. I was gonna head home later that day. I felt this deep sadness and this I just was perplexed by it. I didn't know why it was happening. And that was part of the reason I was writing this journal. And I was like at this coffee shop alone and feeling grateful to be in this cool city. And this was a great coffee shop, I remember. And it 
just felt simultaneously happy and sad at the same time. And looking back, I can identify a lot of those emotions now more clearly. In fact, some of those came up for me while I was on the retreat in Costa Rica. Very similar feelings came up for the first time. Even though I was in this magical place, I was in a place that felt safe, but I went alone and I didn't feel like I fit in. And I wanted to, on that retreat, experience unmasking. That was part of my goal. I'm going to go on this retreat and I'm going to live this life true to myself. I'm going to get clarity and I'm going to let go and feel free and proud of myself and confident in all of this. And I actually felt more of the opposite. I felt so uncomfortable. I felt unsure of myself, insecure, constantly wondering if people liked me there and was I annoying them? Do they want me around? Feeling lonely, but also feeling grateful and happy. And I look back and think there's been so much of that in my life. And having experimented with anxiety medication uh, prescribed by a psychiatrist, that didn't really go away. I think it created a very subtle numbing effect sometimes. I think it at times made me feel more balanced and even in my emotions, I remember tracking it because I wanted to see if that medication would really help, but it didn't solve anything. It was just like a medication. It was just a little bandage. And so as I look through all of these and try to recognize like, what's the thread through? What are the triggers? It's generally in these social situations where I feel like I don't fit in. And that brings up this desire to mask what I really want, mask how I really feel, change my behavior, and kind of fall into more of a performance. In fact, I I wrote down the phrase, there's a deep sadness that I still can't shake. I Actually, the whole paragraph is kind of interesting for the, this is, Again, I believe I wrote this in October 2017. For the past few days, I've had a lump in my throat. I felt on the verge of crying. Yesterday, I finally cried. I got triggered and it all came pouring out. Deep sadness that I still can't shake. So deep that I'm unsure of its origin. It feels like deep loss and simultaneously mourning, perhaps yearning for something I've never had. It's almost a feeling of being lonely and unfulfilled or feeling like things are off track. And the other interesting thing is I wrote a little bit more that's a bit private. And following that, I then wrote how I love soothing people and helping them solve problems. I want people to feel better. I don't want people to suffer unconditionally. I don't want people to be afraid. I want to help them find their truth. I want to help them clear obstacles. And that's 
sounds nice, but what if that's all people pleasing? What's that? What if that's all me putting other people's needs ahead of mine? And what if I've been doing that almost like a defense mechanism as running away from my emotions? Or what if I learned to feel comforted by helping others or distracting myself by helping others? And that's something I'm really trying to process as I go through coaching training. You know, why is it that I want to be a well-being coach? Why is it that I've been drawn to psychology for so much of my life? And I think that's actually very common that therapists tend to be drawn to things that they want to work on themselves and help other people. And so that's why I'm just really trying to do the deep work and look inwards and figure this out. And back then, I also was really clear that I didn't want any more superficial, ego-based relationships. That's actually a trait, I believe, of autism, too. And some of my research is people that are on the autism spectrum tend to detest small talk. They don't want superficial things because they want, like, that makes them uncomfortable, I believe from my understanding. Autistic people also tend to be very literal. Um, And I've noticed that in myself too, the more that I've reflected on it, how if I don't have clarity, if someone isn't clear with me in their communication, I really struggle. I feel like disconnected from them or I don't understand them or like something feels off and weird to me. And I, that's probably part of the reason that I had have felt these experiences, you know, at the wedding or, or the retreat of feeling like I don't fit in. Because a lot of times in those social situations, when you're with the same group of people for a few days, there's like some bonding that happens, but it doesn't feel like deep bonding to me. Or it feels like other people are bonding and I'm not bonding with them and I don't feel fully understand why. I think it's also especially weird to have these feelings as an adult who generally feels secure in who I am and what I'm doing and saying I have confidence, but it comes up to these still feelings of wondering if anybody likes me. And I think part, like I said, part of that is because if I don't have deep conversations and clear conversations with people and signals of psychological safety, I don't feel secure. I feel confused. I feel unsure. The other thing I wrote down is, is not wanting to feel less than or better than anybody, but really wanting equality. And that has been a huge thread through very clearly in my life for the last few years and a huge motivation for starting my private community beyond measure. This is actually like all the beginning stages or the the clarifying stages. I'm sure I'd had these thoughts for a long time, just desiring as I was writing this journal, inspiration and motivation instead of competition, being in it together, not making it exclusive, not being about influence, but about connection. And this is really what started to drive me out of working in in social media as a content creator is that I just 
was so frustrated with the superficial and the ego and the influence and the exclusivity and the gossip and complaining. I just really wanted transparency and acceptance. But now I'm starting to see more why I felt this way for as long as I can remember. I'm going to pause here for a moment to take a very brief period of time to thank the show's sponsor, Athletic Greens. They make this wonderful all-in-one powder that's virtually nutritional insurance. And to tie that into this conversation, I think of this as a really great way to be mindful and intentional about what you put in your body without overstressing. It's an all-in-one that contains vitamins, minerals, probiotics, adaptogens. I take it almost every single day at home when I'm traveling. Love the taste of it. It's low in sugar. And it's designed to support better sleep quality, recovery, mental clarity, and alertness. It's also recommended by professional athletes and trusted by leading health experts. And the best part is, beyond the all-in-one element, is that it costs less than $3 a day. So for a delicious tasting green juice, it's really affordable and convenient. And because they're sponsoring this show, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of their immune-supporting vitamin D, which I also take every day, along with five free travel packs of this AG1 green powder that I've been talking about. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash wellevator. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R. And there you can take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. The link is in the description of this episode along with the show notes. So go check it out. And I hope you enjoy it as much as I do. Now back to the show. When I was in film school, I remember this coming up for me a ton because creative types, whether they're in front of or behind the camera, there tends to be a lot of ego, a lot of competition. And that really rubbed me the wrong way. I went to film school because I loved the art. I loved the expression. I loved just making things for myself and for others. But it was really tough for me in a lot of social factors. And I remember very distinctly like being so frustrated with things that felt superficial, not just like communication and socializing, but like screenwriting. So whenever I would write my scripts for short films, they would always be based in like the deeper reality or deeper subject matters. And they, they, some of them went a little too deep there's one film short film of mine in particular that like didn't quite turn out the way that I intended but it was a really interesting project and I was also I think last night thinking about this one short film that I did right when I was starting to study film I went to this summer program And I'm looking, it was in July, it's July right now as I'm recording this and just thinking back to like what, how I spent one of my Julys in my life and spent a whole month in New York City learning about how to make movies. And at the end of the program, each of us had to make a short film, technically a short video, wasn't on film, but I made it and it was all about my emotions And it was, I was in it, (laughs) acting in it. And it was about my stream of consciousness. And I think I just wrote down journal style, 
all these feelings I was having. And actually that month was one of the most impactful months. I've definitely mentioned this on the podcast before because I met a guy that I had massive feelings for, for about 10 years. He's the reason that I ended up going vegan. And I remember just like experiencing heartache in one of the most intense ways I had ever had before because of him. Like it brought up these crazy feelings and such a confusing dynamic the two of us had. And I just like needed to get it out. So I wrote it all down in a stream of consciousness. And then I think I, I can't remember if I recorded the voiceovers and then did the visuals or vice versa, but I like came up with this whole shot list and recorded myself and like based it all on what I was going through. And it's so interesting to look back on that because that, that is me, you know, that is what I've been doing for so long. I've been journaling both written, but also visually. And here I am on a podcast, basically doing a lot of the same things. That has been my form of expression for so long. And that short film actually got selected to be on HBO for a a compilation of, of short films by young people. And I was just thinking about that the other day, like, wow, that was nuts. I got paid for it and like got to say I was on HBO. The other crazy thing is that I don't think I mentioned this, but sometime in the past year I was going through things and scanning old papers into my computer to digitize them. And I came across the communication with this guy at HBO and looked him up. He has a really distinct name. And I was just kind of curious, like, what is this guy doing now? And now he's an actor who's been on some really big television shows, not someone I think you would know by name. So again, probably not going to mention it, but someone that has had success, but in a completely different way than you might have thought, because he was running this student filmmakers project at HBO. And it's just so fascinating to see how things evolve over time. Anyways, I don't know fully where I was going with that. What's also cool when I look at this journal is that I was I started to use this digital journal as what they call a commonplace book. So that's that's what I titled it. And I don't know where I found that term. I haven't really heard it much, but I just used it for anything, like any sorts of notes. And I'm so glad that I did because I have so much in here. And one of the sections towards the top is a list of things I wanted to do. And top of that list is to go on road trips. Now I said in a camper van, I believe I've mentioned how I had been dreaming of going on road trips in trailer or a van or something for the past 10 years. I remember in 2012, starting to get really interested in it and curious. And I pictured it in a van. I remember seeing literal pictures of teardrop trailers, which you can hook up to the back of your car. I wanted one of those so bad. I thought they were so cool. Mainly though, because one had been featured in, I think, Sunset Magazine. And I still have the picture. I actually found it I think probably around the same time I was going through and found the HBO paper in that same stack of papers I had. And it's also interesting because I 
that might have been in July because I remember 12 or sorry, 10 years ago, did my first cross country trip, road trip. And the part of the inspiration was seeing this magazine with the teardrop trailer. And I will include it if I if I can, I, I know I have it somewhere. So I'll put it in the show notes for this episode if you want to see what I'm referring to. And it's amazing how much that's impacted me. I probably also shared in, in the podcast after May how around that same time, I had seen pictures of Horseshoe Bend where I ended up going for the first time this year, almost 10 years later after seeing that. And then here I am in this commonplace book writing about it again. And underneath that desire, like these were like bullet points, I said I wanted to listen to audiobooks too. And I'm sure I was already listening to them, but like I wanted to go on road trips and listen to audiobooks. So that's exactly what I'm about to do shortly. Um, and I wrote down things like how I wanted to lead conferences and training. And it's interesting. I don't ha- quite have that desire. I, I I like the idea of doing the one-on-one well-being coaching like I'm working on right now. This is crazy too. You know what else is on that list? Start another podcast. And by another podcast, I was referencing the podcast I had in, I think it was 2015, called Real Influencers. That was my very first podcast of my own. And it only lasted a few months and then fell off. And I still have all of the recordings and I've thought about putting them out somewhere, but I did that podcast with a former friend of mine and I don't really have their permission. So I don't know. I don't feel super comfortable with it, but maybe privately, maybe like in beyond measure, I'll share it. So it's not like a public facing thing. So that's interesting. Like looking back on things we write down and especially to-do lists, if you can find any of them in stacks of paper on your computer and journals, I just find that deeply interesting to look back on. I use this to write down like projects I was working on. And the other thing that's super fascinating to me is that I was trying to do so much and I still naturally do a lot, but I'm not forcing it as much as I used to. And I think the reason that I was trying to do so much was based around expectations. You know, I, I had all these things and I thought if I do this, it'll lead to that. But now I kind of don't operate that way. As long as my bills are covered, (laughs) as long as I feel like I can do the things I love, like traveling, taking road trips, to me, that's success. I I don't need accolades. They're nice, but they just don't matter to me in the way that they did just you know, five, six years ago when I was writing these things down. And it feels actually so much better to be doing less and going more with the flow. And that reminds me, this person I mentioned earlier who I'm excited to see on on this trip mentioned to me how they believe don't have a presence anywhere on the web anymore, except for their main project, which I, I'll tell you about and reference their their podcast episode, you know, later on, maybe in, in the next week's episode, I can mention it. Although I wouldn't have come back from the trip. In a few weeks or so, I will share more details about this person and their amazing business. 
and remind you if you listen to the episode yet, you can go check that out because this person's really fascinating. And when they mentioned that they're no longer on social media, they don't have a newsletter anymore. I don't even know if they have a website anymore like they used to. I used to love this person's Twitter account and newsletters were some of the best I've ever read and their website was so great. But I could put aside my feeling of nostalgia and kind of missing what they used to do. That felt like nothing compared to a bit of envy I experienced hearing about them not doing much online. And that person's style actually has influenced me in a lot of subtle ways. My web, my website, WhitneyLauritsen.com is very simple. There are a few pages on it that are fancier. I've used a template on them just because I wanted to, but the main page might've been completely inspired by this person. I'm not sure. This is a while ago that I made it, but I just desired that simplicity. And I thought like, I don't need this fancy, flashy website like a lot of people have. It's just not important to me to spend money on things like that. It's not important to me to feel validated by how attractive something is. Just like I don't want to feel validated by being an attractive person. I'm not going to put effort right now into my hair and my makeup and my clothes and my weight. I just want to go with the flow because if I'm living my life true to myself, then going with the flow is more, is bringing me closer to that. You know, it's interesting. I keep thinking like reading through this journal out loud feels so familiar. And I feel like perhaps I did do a podcast episode on it. And it would be fascinating if I did, in fact, already cover some of these things. A, is it interesting to see the fact that I still want to talk about it, right? Like, what are we continuously drawn to? What do we want to go back and reflect on over and over again? And B, what has changed since that? What has evolved? I mean, a lot of the examples I'm giving are, are brand new or I'm piecing together things. And I think that's such an interesting practice to do. So I hope that this is inspiring you in some ways if, if you feel drawn to it. In this commonplace book, I would write down all sorts of quotes. I'm so grateful I did that too. And here's actually one kind of related. <laughs> it's so weird. Like all these little clues of who we are in our past. I love this. And this quote, I don't know who said it, but it's in quotations. It doesn't seem to have, I don't know where this came from. It's not attributed to anybody, but what's in quotes is self-deprecation is your comfort zone. Whoa. Self-deprecation is your comfort zone. I wish I knew what that means. I mean, like why I put that there. Was I feeling like I was being self-deprecating? Was I noticing that in someone else? And it's fascinating to think about something that I perceive to be negative as also being comforting. Like these patterns that we have, as I was mentioning, was my desire to soothe people and help them solve, solve problems. Is that, considering that I still feel drawn to coaching people, is that a comfort zone for me? 
I think it's a couple things, which is you learn so much about yourself by helping others. And there's also like the natural good feeling that we get from doing things for other people. It feels really good to me. It definitely feels comforting. And it doesn't, there doesn't seem to be any harm in helping other people, right? Unless it's truly taking you away from yourself and helping yourself. I think that's the big, the most important thing there. I also wrote a quote, again, no idea where this is from. Learning the facts isn't enough. You must also consciously alter the structure of the brain on a neuronal level. (laughs) Like that is also something I have been drawn to for so long. It's like, I don't just want to learn something. I want it to be deeply embedded in me. And at this time in my life, I was really into studying entrepreneurship, as I mentioned, like kind of working towards it, striving, hustling, noticing so much. Something that's come up a lot, and I can't remember if this came up in my coaching program, but it's, I feel like it was in the coaching program and one of our group discussions, but I also feel like it came up in the podcast or something. It all kind of jumbles together sometimes, but it was around how if we focus too much on improving that, that in itself, we can get kind of addicted to maybe, maybe it was, it was actually during the retreat. And we were discussing as a group, me and the other participants, how it can be counterproductive if we're always trying to improve ourselves, if we're always noticing room for improvement, if we are focused on what we could get better at it, that's also focusing on what we're not doing well, what we don't feel good enough at. If we can get more into a place of flow and acceptance and gratitude and focusing on what we are currently doing well and what we love, that may better serve us. And when I look back over these journal entries, I just see myself pushing so hard. I remember this state of, I remember around that time feeling like I got to make all this money and these are the ways I'm going to do it. And I'm going to study all these entrepreneurs. And I was like obsessed with it. Now I don't pay any attention to that stuff. I actually feel so turned off by hearing business strategies and social media strategies. And I love podcast strategy because that's a huge part of my work, my income. But in more of a softer way, not like I'm going to look at the biggest podcasters and find out what's working well for them. I'm not drawn to that because that I'm not guaranteed their success by following their path. What I'm drawn to is like staying consistent, you know, coming out with my show regularly. How do I record it? What do I talk about? How do I notice what things people seem to be drawn to? That feels better and that feels more in the flow and alignment with myself. And in my documentation, I'm writing about how I wanted to spend more time alone. I wanted to spend more time being quiet and reflecting, reducing things, organizing, focusing less on what other people are saying and doing and spend more time reading, sleeping, less time on the phone, more time appreciating life. And it's so interesting to see that I was writing that out, but I wasn't really doing it. I think I was considering it. And so when we look back on journals like this, we can see how maybe we want something, but we don't really know how to get there yet. Like 
taking road trips was not something that made sense to me. <laughs> it was not something that I could like easily do and plan. I, I, it still doesn't feel easy to me, but it's easy for me to make the decision to do it. And I have confidence because I already have done it. And that I think is a huge lesson too. It's that it's not about it being easy per se. I think it actually is more about the confidence. Much like I, as I was saying, socializing does not feel easy to me, but I have more confidence and more clarity around myself. Even if I'm feeling uncomfortable, I can still manage it. I feel so relieved too, looking through a lot of these business notes I had in here. Like I have multiple pages in this document of like how I was going to structure some things. And I remember this specific element of my business at the time felt so hard and unpleasant. And now that I look back and see that I've virtually abandoned doing this specific type of work, I feel so much better. <laughs> I'm like relieved that I'm not doing it, you know, and, and it was just a lot just and, and noticing the relief I felt hearing my friend share how they're not doing all the stuff that I was writing about back then anymore. I'm like, oh, I could see that very, very appealing, <laughs> you know, like I just, I, I don't know if I really did want it, you know, like I was saying before, was it just that I felt like that's the way I should do business? And this is the problem with following other people's strategies and formulas is that it really starts to take you away from yourself in a lot of cases. Not always. I suppose some people feel in alignment with it. Back then, I probably did. If, if I reflect on what I was feeling, it did feel right to me. It felt exciting. It felt desirable, but it also felt hard. And it just wasn't working no matter how hard I tried. And, and that in itself is a big signal that when something's just not working and you're putting in all this effort, maybe it's never going to work because it's just not meant for you. And what if you can let go and just see what it feels like to not even try anymore? That's been a big lesson, releasing that grip and just being. This is something I majorly feel when I'm traveling because traveling kind of forces you to do that, even if it's vacation. I noticed myself pulsing in and out of that when I was in Costa Rica for the retreat there'd be moments where I just wasn't thinking about anything else beyond what I was doing. Surfing, for example, like you just don't meant, or I at the time did not have any mental room to focus on anything else other than surfing. When I was riding ATVs around the jungle, don't remember focusing on anything else. I did feel, I noticed that times since I was in the group of people, I noticed socializing and the anxiety that comes up with that that continuous feeling of not fitting in for me lingers a lot in those situations, you know, and the times where I felt anxious about being on the ATV because it was hard. I didn't even know, but mostly because my ATV that I was riding was having some like issues. <laughs> like it kept stopping. And one time I'm going up a hill, actually multiple times I was going up steep hills and the ATV is just like stopped working. <laughs> and there's someone in front of and behind me. And I'm super nervous. I'm going to crash into somebody or they're going to crash into me. It was really hard and uncomfortable. I'm wondering, like, did I look like an idiot? You know, did people think I was weak or stupid? Or like, how do I not know how to ride an ATV? You know, all those little judgments and concerns that can come up for me. But aside from that, 
most of the time I was so focused on riding that ATV and making sure that I was able to get it working again and making sure that I didn't go off the path. Like it kept me focused and present. And I loved that. And there were other times in the retreat where I started thinking about life outside of the retreat and what work I wanted to get done and what my clients needed and thinking of, you know, sometimes ruminating too much on my insecurity and anxiety and thinking about all these things that I just didn't need to because everything was taken care of at the retreat. I didn't really need to do anything other than be there. And that was such a gift, but it was challenging because perhaps going back to that one quote about self-deprecation, it's kind of like being a glutton for punishment. And perhaps I do find comfort in my anxiety. Maybe I feel comforted by not fitting in. And so these habitual ways of thinking, I believe they can be addictive. And perhaps that's just the natural path to get us into a different state of being, raising that awareness and noticing and wondering, being curious about our patterns. So with that said, I'm going to pause here and maybe this is to be continued because I I really want to go through more of this journal. I can't remember what inspired it. There was a reason I opened it up to look at. Perhaps it was getting more in tune with myself before I start therapy and bef- and as I go through the coaching training, just using my old journal as an opportunity to reflect and notice myself and gives me something to share and talk about with you. Like I said, I I love the idea of you doing the same thing. So if you decide to, to look back or if you decide to start journaling, start your own commonplace book, you can do that however you would like. And I, I'd love to know what that feels like for you. And I'd also, as I mentioned, love any thoughts you have from these episodes in which I talk about travel, I talk about hardships and lessons. Hearing from you is just so lovely. And if you want to join the Beyond Measure community, we meet once a week virtually. We have been doing that on weekdays recently. We used to do it on Saturdays, but it's actually worked for most people's schedules on a weekday, which really surprised me. And I'm also planning to integrate my coaching into Beyond Measure. So if you want to experience some of that as I'm learning, if perhaps you want to see my or listen to my old podcast episodes, I will consider putting them in Beyond Measure, especially if you ask for it. And it's currently free. I believe as I start to work on this coaching practice of myself and the consideration of integrating that into Beyond Measure, that the the payment fees that I've been planning to do for Beyond Measure will come into play. But I don't know when that'll be. And I do plan to have a free trial for anyone who wants to try it out, even when I do start charging. So if you want to check it out, that's linked in the show notes for this episode, along with other things I mentioned. What else? I I mentioned that I was going to put pictures of that Sunset Magazine teardrop trailer into the show notes. And I usually try to drop in some other photos and such, or, or there'll be stock photos that my team chooses to put in there. So that is all available for you at wellevator.com. That's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com. That's also where you can find my contact information, other episodes of the show, It's all there for you. Thank you so much for listening. I hope to hear from you.
And I'll be back again on Friday with a special guest episode. Who do I have for you? I get so excited about this. Okay, this one. I mean, I say this every time. I feel like every episode that I do becomes one of my favorites. So this one I just recorded with my guest yesterday as of the time I'm doing this. So it just blows me away what some guests bring. And I'm continuously surprised by the people that show up to be on this podcast for you and for me. So I hope you tried that out this Friday. And I've got a bunch of other amazing people lined up for you and tons of incredible people in the past. Once I announce who the person I mentioned several times in this episode is, um, I'll, I'll link to their episode too for those that are curious. And uh, the archive, actually, if you go onto the Wellevator website in the podcast section, there in the menu bar is a section just with guests. So if you find yourself wanting to listen to more of those, only those, if you've never listened to them for some reason, you might want to check it out, see who's on that list and let me know what you think. Bye for now. Thanks for listening and getting out of your comfort zone with us today. For show notes and more high-performance resources to help you thrive, go to wellevator.com. That's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com.